morning. Lovely to see all of you today. And we are in part three of four in our When Life Hurts series. First week, Fraser gave us a rich theological framework of what pain looks like in the economy of God. And then last week, in the wonderful way that we can, we had this hybrid um, Jess and Rich combo online and in person in the building, looking at how God responds to our individual pain, how God doesn't despise us, he doesn't hold us at arm's length, but he draws close to us, and he draws us close to him. And that's a really, really good job, because he's not afraid of our mess, because actually in our world at the moment, I would suggest that the messiest thing is the messiness of relationships. Relationships that have broken down, relationships that have led to betrayal, to misunderstandings, to promises being left unfulfilled. And our interpersonal relationships, they have an impact because they're the building blocks of our society. They have an impact upon society around us. When there's broken individual relationships, it leads to broken societal relationships. And broken societies lead to broken countries. And broken countries, well, you just have to look at what's going on in Ukraine at the moment to see tension and pain and suffering and a sense of what people think is the right way of operating. But I think it all stems back to broken interpersonal relationships. And so this morning, this is going to be probably quite challenging to hear, um, but do stick with it. We're just going to pray as we begin, and then Brian's going to come and uh, give us our reading from Ephesians chapter 4. But let's take a moment to pray as we start. Lord, as we think about these interpersonal relationships and dealing well in the midst of pain and suffering. Lord, would you help us? We need your help. As we think of that image, that kintsugi bowl that's fixed by the gold, we're aware that we can't fix relationships ourselves. We need your help. So our prayer is simply help this morning. Amen. Brian, would you like to come in and give us our reading? Ephesians chapter 4, and Brian will tell you which verses. Some key words this morning from from Paul to the mother church at Ephesus. Ephesians 4 and verse 17 for those that are following. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life 
that you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesomeness talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks so much, Brian. Our interpersonal relationships have this ability to be really, really painful and to be able to bleed over into every other kind of relationship that we have. And I've known so many people who have been going through such difficult relationship struggles that they've ended up curving in on themselves, of not being able to look out to the horizon, that all they can see is this little circle around them, that they become like the kind of shell of the person that they once were. And so just like last week, what we're going to do is we're going to diagnose the problem in the first half and then in the second half. We're going to look at what is God's perspective on this? What is God's better way? And we're going to stick pretty closely to our text this morning in Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to start by looking at what Paul describes as the old self, i.e. what it is we're not to do. And some theologians describe this as being in Adam, of being people who are tied to the first part of history, where Adam and Eve, as we recall, turned away from God. They were people who wanted to go after their own desires, tempted by the things which were not as God would have them act. And then the difference between being in Adam and being in Christ, of having our perspective renewed and changed. And over half of this passage, if we just look at the words that will come up with some of the red, over half of this passage is what Paul is saying to the church in Ephesus. He's saying, stop it. Don't do it. This is not who you are. This is not who Jesus calls you to be. So we're just going to go through a couple of these, what the old self looks like. 
futile thinking, reverting back to Gentile ways and practices, ways of living our lives which marked us before we knew who Jesus was. Paul says, don't act in that way anymore. Having hard hearts, both towards God, but also towards his community as well. Being ignorant, having a loss of sensitivity to who God is and to one another. Going back to past sensualities, those things that shine so brightly and made us think, yes, that promises so much, but inevitably it ends up under-delivering. Impurity, greed, making it all about us. What will benefit me looking out for number one? Having deceitful desires. And the next slide, falsehood and speaking untruths, allowing our words to be loose. Sinning towards another due to holding on to anger. Getting to that point at the end of the day where you haven't reconciled with that person, thinking they need to come to me, not being the one to go to them. A continuous cycle that just goes around and around. Giving the devil a foothold, we'll come back to that in just a minute. Stealing, unwholesome talk, grieving the Holy Spirit, spirit, bitterness, rage, brawling, slander, along with every kind of malice. Just stop it. This is not who you are, Paul says to the church. Now, if you're anything like me, and I'd like to suggest you are, because we're all finite, broken, fragile people, you might look at that list and think, good golly, Miss Molly, have I got a long way to go. And it's good to recognize that, to recognize that we have got a long way to go to look like Jesus. But at that point, we've then got a choice. We can go one way and we can think, but I'm never going to change because that's always who I have been and I keep repeating the same mistakes over and over again. Or we can look the other way and we can say, I'm better than I was, but I know that I've got a long way to go. I'm not there yet. Help me. Jesus, to be people who are humble and vulnerable, both with God, but also with his church community as well. Where Rich and Jess launched us from last week, the pain that we feel as individuals, I think all of it impacts the way that we conduct our relationships with other people. For example, verse 18 if we feel like God has not come through for us in a certain thing, we've been praying for something for a long time and we feel like a promise, the promise has not yet come, thinking, where has God been? Has he not loved me? Has he not cared for me? And our hard, hearts can become hardened to him. But I've seen so many people, tragically, who've been in that place and they've ended up withdrawing from community. They've stopped engaging with the church. As we've said about a month ago or so, our relationship with God always impacts on our relationship with other people. We can end up feeling like, well, if God doesn't care, then nobody else is going to care for me either. Our understanding of him becomes hardened. Our vision of him becomes foggier and foggier. 
I shared about the cross-shaped discipleship, this picture of a target that's going to come up on the screen. And I think this is where the devil taking a foothold, those verses, I think this is where, what this is about. Those places in our life where the devil just begins to t- pull at the threads of the tapestry of our life. Where God wants to weave together something beautiful and something wholesome, the devil tries to take away through broken relationships. You see, when our pain is left undealt with, it seeps over into family relationships, it seeks over into spousal relationships if we're married, into work relationships, into friendships, in fact, any and every type of relationship. And I think we try to cope in a couple of different ways. These are just three that Rich and I were talking about this last week. I'm sure there are many more. The first one is that we try to displace the pain. We try to um, transfer it onto somebody or to something else. We turn back to habits, which we think, well, it's only going to affect me. It doesn't impact upon anybody else. But most bad habits have the ability to impact someone else. Those things that we thought maybe we'd put to bed a long time ago, they rear their ugly head once again. It's a vicious circle of us thinking, actually, I'm no better than my worst mistake. That is the thing that defines me. But that's just not true. What defines you, what defines me, what defines us, is that we are children of God. Nothing more, nothing less. Everything, everything else is secondary. The second thing is we can lash out. We can say, well, it's somebody else's fault. It's not me. They're the problem. There's no way that I'm going to walk towards them to reconcile. There's no way that I'm going to be the person who sorts this out. And as Paul said, we get to the end of the day in that unreconciled state, allowing the sun to set on our anger. There's a different way to live. We don't want to close ourselves down. You know, we can fold our arms like the petulant child and say, they've got to make it right with me. The conversation's over. Blaming people, burning bridges, and not looking back. So displacing the pain, lashing out, Thirdly, the inverse of that, I guess, is needing others' affirmation. We can look at our relationships and we can make mistakes and we can go, I'm so rubbish, but please, actually, would you massage my ego and tell me that I'm not so bad? It's actually a a weird type of pride, actually, that is. We can shift the center of gravity to make us the very center of the universe, to become like a black hole that just sucks everybody else and every other relationship in to try and serve us. And when we look at that, that's all pretty bleak, isn't it? That's not a life of thriving. That's not a life of freedom. That's a spiral downwards and inwards. But life in Christ is upwards and outwards, towards him, towards his world, towards hope, as Jess was saying earlier.
But when Paul points out all of these red verses to the Ephesians in his letter to them, he doesn't just say, you've really messed it up this time, boys. You've got it wrong. Good luck. You're on your own. He offers them a different way to live. He offers them hope in the face of futility. And it starts, I think, with this revelation of who they know Jesus to be. He reminds them of their first love. He says, this is who Jesus is. This is who he has created you to be. This is who and how he wants you to act. And that begins, I think, verse 23, with being made new in the attitude of our minds. How we engage with relationships with other people, it always begins up here in our minds. When I think back to the first time that I truly had a revelation of who Jesus was, I was about 20 years old, um, I was at university, and I'd been living the university experience for a couple of years, and I felt pretty empty, if I'm totally honest. This newfound freedom had worn thin pretty quickly. But I felt like in that moment when I came back to God, I felt like someone had switched a cog in my head, that my mind was renewed and refreshed. I was seeing the world with a different perspective, like someone had changed the television from black and white to full color. But actually, over time, with the stresses and the strains of life and relationships that are painful sometimes, the color can feel like it's slowly seeping away. We go through that sepia and then black to back to black and white if we're not careful. So what Paul says is, be renewed in your mind and go on being renewed over and over again. It's like when I used to play on my Sega Mega Drive when I was eight years old. So we're talking 25 years ago, okay? I had Italia 90, which was the football game to have at the time. Okay, here's the footage. Um, and as every you know, young boy has the dream, I was trying to get England through the World Cup stages all the way to the final, never won the final, um, mostly because the time that I did get there, my mum actually turned it off at the wall because I was, I know, painful. I still, see, we're talking about painful relationships. <laughs> No, I forgave her. Um, I think, um, yeah, I, but to be fair to her, um, she told me, you've got 10 more minutes, and this was half an hour later, so I'm learning that one with, with our little boy at the moment. Anyway, that's an aside. Um, I used to play FIFA, no, not FIFA, this was Italia 90, and at the time I thought this game was the best thing ever. But actually, over time, as the graphics and the sort of gameplay got better, I realized that what football games could look like was this. This is FIFA 22. Okay, I've never played FIFA 22. Um, I don't have time for football games anymore. But there's quite a marked difference. Go back to Italia 90. Italia 90, FIFA 22. I was viewing the world in a kind of an Italia 90 kind of a way. 
But actually, God said, there is so much more. There is so much more detail, so much more vibrancy, so much more reality to be able to see. We don't want to go back to how we were living before. Because when God brings freedom and renewal of our minds, he wants it to continue. Because it isn't just for us, it's for everybody else as well. Either we're pointing to Jesus by the way that we're thinking and living and acting, or we're pointing away from him. Be renewed in your mind and keep on being renewed. Don't settle for black and white when you can have high definition color. It's what one of the commentators says, don't wallow under the power of sin, but live thriving in the power of Christ by his Holy Spirit, refreshing and renewing your mind continually. But how do we do that? Three simple things that we talk about a lot. Reading his word day by day, coming to know the narrative of scripture from the start through to the end. The person of Jesus, of who he is and who he calls us to be as his followers of being with his people, of intentionally drawing towards community, not walking away from it, even when we have that deep-seated pain of being in those places that are safe where we can actually say, do you know what? I need you. I need other people to speak into my life, of being humble and open to that, of being in those life group type settings where people can love us and challenge and encourage us in equal measure. And then asking the Spirit, like we did at the start of the talk, asking for his help. How many times a week do we say, help, Holy Spirit? Inversely, I think we might think the more we have to ask the Spirit for his help might be a bad thing, but I'd suggest it's a really good thing. Day by day, are we trying to live our lives with our own abilities and know-how, or are we depending on God and his perspective? And I think when our minds are renewed and refreshed day by day, it allows us to go, to go from being people who just react to situations to being people who respond. You know, a reaction is marked by a kind of knee-jerk, subconscious um, thrashing out, whereas a response is something where we've taken a moment to think it through and to go, how can I use my words well? How can I act in a way that will be helpful and honoring and good? You know, when you have to call the emergency services, they're not first reactors who come to the scene. They're first responders. The church is called to be the first responders in a world that is broken and hurting, to point towards Jesus, to be in the messiness and the brokenness of broken relationships. Verse 24 to put on the new self, to be created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. This is about growing 
into the likeness of Christ, to be a little bit less like we were yesterday and to be a little bit more like him today and tomorrow. A few other things that Paul says to the church, put off falsehood, tell the truth. How often do we convince ourselves that white lies are just little white lies, they have no meaning? But actually, God wants us to use our words in ways that honor him and honor other people as well. To be people who put together truth and love. Because truth without love, well, that's just callous and painful. But love without truth, that can be a little bit like marshmallows that are fluffy, but actually they don't provide any challenge But truth and love together, well, that's wholesome. That offers a healing balm, the possibility of hope and joy and freedom. Verse 26, in your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun set while you're still angry. Now, I've got to admit, I don't always get this right. If you live with anyone in your house, there might be situations and times where you frustrate them and they frustrate you. That is what it's like. But we can't get to that point at the end of the day where we're unreconciled. The whole of the gospel is about reconciliation. God restoring humanity, creation to himself. And as followers of Jesus, as Christians, little Christs, we're called to do the same in the way that we conduct our relationships too. Otherwise, they fester as unattended wounds. And it takes bucket loads of vulnerability and grace. But when you go to someone and you know that you've done something wrong, don't just say, I'm sorry that what I said has hurt you. You've got to go to them and say, I'm sorry for saying X to you. I understand that it hurts. Can you help me to understand how I can do it better? Our words and our actions really, really matter. We're called to be people who speak words that don't tear down but build up. Just read through the book of James. It's such a challenge. James 3, verse 9. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who've been made in God's likeness. Ouch. How can we be people who curse but praise with our same mouth? James goes on and talks about the tongue being like a fire. It has the capacity to burn and cause great damage, burning bridges wherever we go. And in the eternal wisdom of the band Stereophonics, it only takes one tree to make a thousand matches, only takes one match to burn a thousand trees. So what forests are we setting on fire with the little match that is our tongue? As we work out relationships in community there is absolutely no getting around it it is messy it is messy to try and work out relationships in community 
but choosing to proactively engage in the process with other people who we can trust and know and love is infinitely better for us than trying to do it by stuffing things down deep. Those scars from the past coming back up, allowing us to walk into freedom, allowing us to be people who walk alongside one another to encourage them. The way we conduct our relationships is not just for us, but as I said before, we're called to be a people who show a different way to a world that is hurting. How are we marked as the church, as his people here in Worcester and around Worcestershire? How do we live differently so that people can know that there is hope to be found in the person of Jesus? We are living signposts. We either point towards Jesus or we point away from him by our words and our actions. So how do we want to live? If you're willing and able, would you stand with me as we pray? You might uh, be in a place where the reality of broken relationships is very apparent right now. There might be things from your past that feel like they've been unreconciled. There might be someone who you think, actually, yeah, I really need to sort that out with them or it might still feel too raw and messy. And God is okay with all of that. God works with us exactly where we're at. But this morning, what we need is his help. However the situation appears to us, our prayer is help. So as we wait on God for a moment, maybe under your breath, in the silence of your heart, bring to mind whatever it is, whoever it is, that we need God's help in and through and with. We're not called to fix our own lives. It was never your job to try and fix your own lives or to fix somebody else's. It's God's business. And God is in the transformation business. So this morning, Holy Spirit, 
Would you help us? Would you help us in those raw places? Would you help us in those relationships that we just don't know what to do, what to say, how to act? Would you help us to be people who reflect to your world, to your creation? Those who want to bring hope. Hope that is not found in self-help guides, but is found in you in the person and the works of Jesus Christ. The one who turns all things upside down and inside out. Lord, we need you. We need you. And we say this is your church. We are your people. We are your people for your world. Lord, empower us, forgive us, and set us free. And as we sing your praises, may we know your power in our lives. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, our good, good Savior. Amen.